Welcome to Going Inward. I am your host, Joe Vega. In this podcast, we celebrate the brave and courageous souls that have made the tough journey in search of their most authentic self. Through hard work and sacrifice, our guests have tapped into their true purpose in life, and they're here to drop words of wisdom to assist our listeners in developing a greater connection to themselves. We will chop it up about our spiritual journeys, psychedelics, astral projections, channeling, healing trauma, esoteric history, mental health, fitness, nutrition, and entrepreneurship. Make sure to subscribe and listen to every episode. You can find me on Instagram at GoWinJoeVega. Drop a comment or a question and I'll get back to you soon. Peace. Aaliyah Lovely is an empath medium energy coach and the creator and host of the Spiritual Shit Podcast, which has topped the charts, gaining a number one spot on iTunes in America. Growing up super religious, she found that a large part of her life didn't align with her own identity because as a child, she was having a host of spiritual experiences she couldn't explain that made her feel ashamed of her spiritual gifts. Seeing ghosts hearing ancestors prophetic dreams and her empathic clairsentient experiences fell on deaf ears were met with weird looks or were criticized for their absurdity she felt she had to hide the biggest part of herself for most of her life until a major move to nyc and an overdue divorce forced her to awaken back to herself and to reclaim her purpose for this incarnation she knew that it was time for her to claim her whole self again And since then, she's helped thousands of people awaken back to their true selves through energy coaching, card readings, and her podcast. All right. Okay. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of Going Inward. Uh, I am here with my uh, first guest. I'm honored and privileged to be sitting here with Miss Aaliyah Lovely. She is the queen of spirituality, uh, queen of spiritual podcasting. Uh, she ranks uh, number one in the country uh, when it comes to her spiritual shit podcast. I'm going to let her explain herself a little bit, uh, give herself, give you guys a little bit of background on what she's all about. How are you doing today? I'm awesome. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. I didn't realize I was going to be the first guest. This is so cool. Yeah. 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 You're numero uno. Yes, 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 yes. Cool. Um, yeah. So I am Ali Lovely and I'm the host of Spiritual Shit. Um, I don't know if it's currently number one, but it was at some point point. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> ebbs and flows, I'm sure. Um, and I am an empath medium. I do uh, energy coaching. It's actually how I know Joe mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. as a client of mine at some point. And yeah. so um, I work through, um, you know, just energy frequencies and help people understand what may be holding them back, blocking them in any kind of way and helping them move forward. Beautiful, beautiful. Yes, I do have the privilege of had, having an experience with you as my coach. Uh, but if you can give us a little bit of background as to when you felt like there was something a little bit more to Aaliyah than, tradi- than a traditional, you know, because I know you're in photography. When, when did you sort of realize that there was more going on than just the, the normal routine? Yeah, well, you know, I actually, it started a little bit early and then got suppressed. So um, I've been able, or at some point able to see ghosts uh, quite physically and then, um, hear them, interact with them, other consciousnesses and things like that. And I had a lot of unusual questioning when I was a child 
Um, I was raised super Christian. And so there were a lot of things that I had questions about that just didn't really add up for me. Um, and in ways that I interpreted uh, religion, I was like, well, when did the dinosaurs happen? And what about aliens? Do they need to ask for Jesus? <laughs> like, you know, uh, salvation. And, you know, there was just a lot of, a lot of that. So I, I recognized that my questioning didn't fit for the, the life that I was essentially set out to, to live according to my parents. And, um, and that was interesting. So as maybe when I, once after I got out of college, um, I started dating this guy who, um, lived across the world and like through our process of dating and our relationship who ended up being my husband and now ex-husband, <laughs> um, there was just this, there, there was a lot of awakenings that were happening layer upon layer upon layer, me getting out of my bubble. And once I, uh, I had moved to London and I met this Hindu woman and she was like, you know, she was just amazing in presence. I, I met her just briefly, but I thought something doesn't add up to me to make it feel like, why should she go to hell? I don't understand why that would make sense. She's more kind and giving and generous, even in energy. I recognize something angelic about her. And I thought this doesn't, this doesn't make sense. And so since then, that was the beginning of the breakdown of my at least foundational belief system and uh, an incredibly rude awakening. And I love that phrase because it is, it is, I mean, pun intended, but awakenings can be incredibly rude because we're not planning for them to come and we're not planning for our whole you know, life of our foundation to be removed at any stretch and point. So it was kind of a reckoning uh, and a depression even of thinking like, where do I go from here? Like my entire life's work of 25 years at that point is gone and I have to rebuild. So um, it's been since then, you know, 11 years and a process of kind of like coming to some type of, um, you know, thought process and then re-examining it and then <laughs> reassessing it and then filing a new one. And the way in which growth layers itself has been quite the process. So since more recently, um, upon the divorce that I had, um, tumultuous relationship, highly narcissistic and abusive and me kind of coming into terms with like, man, I'm worth more than this. Like, I don't deserve this kind of stuff and I don't deserve to be treated this way and ended up leaving that marriage. And upon leaving that marriage, I had another rude awakening through the process of living in New York, which everything happens highly accelerated there. Mm -hmm. Um, just the energy of the city, mm -hmm. as you know, and, um, and it really transformed me. It had me, uh, come to very real, you know, tangible, raw version of myself and saying like, what is it that I really want? And so, um, while this all sounds very practical, there was a lot of magic kind of happening in the background as well. Um, where I, I would have these experiences where spirit would talk to me and show up and tell me, Oh, you're not going to be a photographer anymore. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, this is the only thing I know how to do, you know, like, this is, this is what I'm good at. And then now I'm actually, I'll tell you that story. Um, I Wait, went to, them now. Huh? yeah, <laughs> like, I feel like this is kind of important because, yeah. um, the process of listening to spirit has been now, I guess my largest channel, like being able to listen to that voice and that small voice and building that muscle. Mm -hmm. And that has been as a result of having to go inward. And so, I feel like I just did that. There you go. 
Look at that. <laughs> and that's why you're number one. Ain't on branding. <laughs> <laughs> that point in the movie where they say the title and you're like, uh-huh. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so I went to, um, I, I had this time where I was doing a lot of this channeling or trying to learn how to channel. And so the process of journaling, asking a question and then listening to myself and writing it out. So there was this name that kept coming up and it kept saying Frank. And I thought, oh, Frank, maybe that's the guy that I'm going to end up with or, you know, who knows. So um, I have this wedding that I shoot in Oregon. And while I'm out in Oregon, I decided to meet up with some friends and um, do a couple photo shoots. And one of my friends is like, hey, have you um, reached out to this girl named Lexia? And I'm like, oh, no, I've known her only via like Instagram or something like that. I'm not actually friends with her. And so I end up reaching out to her. We end up getting lunch. And I, I feel compelled to tell her about this channel that I had about the name Frank, that there was something about tulips and something about twins and something about this, that, and the other. And I'm telling her about it. And she's like, I think that's about me. Mm. And I'm like, bullshit. No, it's not. <laughs> and she's like, you know, my last name is Frank. Okay. And I'm like, I, for some reason, that just did not even occur to me. I wasn't planning on meeting or anything like that. It wasn't even in my register. And I was like, oh, no, I think this is about a guy. She's like the tulip thing. Like she had everything. Mm -hmm. So then she was like, I think you're supposed to come to my house. And I'm, so I go to her house and she's got this ghost there who is very, very, very present and communicates with me. And so I communicate to her what's going on in her house or whatever. And it's the first time I'd ever done that um, publicly. You know, like I've, I've done it all the time by myself, but I've never been like, yo, someone's saying this to you. Aaliyah, um, I don't mean to cut you off. But can you explain in your words channeling and what that actually means? That, so you know, channeling, you're, you're laying down some definitions right now yes. that can help us, <laughs> like me throughout my podcast. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so channeling is the process of receiving message through spirit. Mm -hmm. um, and so through that, like sometimes people think that you need to be in a space of you know, this extreme, like, Ooh, what I'm getting from the universe. And it's not like that at all. It's completely, it's a lot more down to earth than you think. Um, it's flow state. It's incredible flow state, but through the spiritual process. So, um, I channel often from my higher self and then channel from other, uh, other worldly or sorry, spirit consciousnesses. Mm -hmm. So whether that be a message from someone from, from beyond who's passed away or just guidance in any kind of way, the way that the messages come to me through that intuitive uh, spike. And so I've just, it's be, just become a practice over time. Some people are more naturally gifted at, at it than others. Um, I think I had to work at it a little bit harder, but I made it a, a massive practice for about a couple, for two years and got into the space where now it, it like, I can recognize when it's happening um, versus when I'm just talking myself. But then there's also this kind of distinguishment because people are like, am I just making stuff up or am I actually channeling? And I think that there is not necessarily a differentiation because even when you're quote unquote making stuff up, there's higher self involved. You just have to recognize the difference between higher self and ego. So you can also be making stuff up, quote unquote, that is actually coming down from your higher self. Yeah. Not actually making stuff up, but you know, the ego wants to make stuff up to, to kind of affirm pathways and outcomes that it already wants to happen um, to serve the ego. And um, that's not necessarily bad. It's more directive. Like the ego is there to protect ourselves in whatever feels comfortable, like the way that the subconscious works as well. And so um, the differentiation is being able to distinguish the difference between wisdom coming through and ego coming through. So when the higher self does channel, you, I feel like it's pretty easy to tell the difference now. Um, I work more with my clients trying to distinguish that so they understand a better uh, understanding. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally, totally. Absolutely. So 
Um, so I was in this girl's house channeling, uh, uh, from this other spirit about, you know, who he was and how he, why he was there or whatever. And, um, and she got really freaked out because she was like, this is too real. Um, the experiences that I was explaining that I hadn't had no knowledge of, she was like, you know, no. So I haven't talked to her since because <laughs> no. it really scared her. Um, some people are not ready for that. Um, but then I had, um, you know, a couple days later, that same friend that referred me to her, I was supposed to do a photo shoot with her and, um, you know, try to make this long story short. I had a dream. I've been having these reoccurring dreams about me leaving my camera bag or showing up to a wedding and not having the right lens or I'm late or something like that. And so we went to do this photo shoot. We drove two hours out to Haystack Rock to do it. And my battery was completely dead. Now I know I've charged this battery, like I've charged it and normally I'll bring extras and I'll have a charger or whatever. For some reason I didn't, I thought pack light, like we'll, we'll keep this. It'll be chill. I know everything's charged. Um, ghosts tend to connect through battery energy. You've seen like on those paranormal shows, Oh, my, my battery is completely drained or whatever. That's what I believe what happened. Um, so anyway, we get all the way out there and I have no way to shoot them. And I'm like, this is like my dream, you know, like, this is, oh no, you know, my biggest fear of like this thing. And we're not close by, I can't run to a store. We, we just can't do the shoot. Mm-hmm. We're by the water though. And I get this pulling, she's very gracious about it, but I get this pulling to just go to the rock, sit on the rock and meditate. So I went to the rock. I'm pissed, mad at myself. Yeah. And I'm sitting there and spirit talks to me and says, you're not going to be a photographer anymore. And, and very clearly, potently. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that means. Like, what am I supposed to do? What does that look like? What, you know, anyway, so since then it's been a full on process of seeing like in the last two years, how this, like even the podcast didn't start until October of last year. And already it's had this immense amount of like response and, and what people would term success, but reaching people and in such a incredible way, that's like made me enhance and continue to practice those gifts to help people in that kind of way and had no idea. could not even see it coming, had no idea the direction that that would take and how spirit was like, we already have a, a, a plan. Like you just need to get on board. Yeah. <laughs> that. So that's kind of like the long story of like how I got here now. Wonderful. Yeah. So how, how would you say submission plays a role in this? It's not submission, but it's definitely surrender. And I'll tell you, I guess the difference, but the way that I see the difference between the two, um, submission has an energetic imprint of defeat, whereas surrender has an energetic, you know, like of letting go, like of opening almost. It's like a, you know, exhale. It's more of a release. And um, I do believe deeply that, especially in our very highly charged masculine energetic uh, society, that we are very outcome oriented you know like we have this goal we're gonna go get this thing and here's the you know, the most efficient way from a to b and so in that process of us deciding and getting very attached to those outcomes we don't leave a lot of flexibility and room for magic we don't lo- leave a lot of room and space for um, new energies new pathways to come and the best way that i can put it one of my friends said to me i'm going to stop kidding myself and uh and thinking that i know what's best for my life And I thought I found that statement to be so full of surrender because it wasn't that like, it's like, never mind, I'm never going to do anything because I can't get what's happening, you know, to happen, um, what I want to happen to happen. Rather, it was like, I'm going to let universe guide me. 
and stop kidding myself and thinking, I really know what's best. Brianna Weiss has a wonderful quote and I love it. And I always butcher it, <laughs> but it's essentially the explanation that um, we have this idea of, you know, like what we want for our lives, what we can, what we think would make us happy, but ultimately what would make us happy, we wouldn't have experienced yet. So we don't know what would make us happy. It would be a level above what we've ever experienced. So when, when God is saying, nah, bigger, <laughs> we, we wouldn't know how to get there. We have to kind of say, here, take the GPS. You take the, the driver's seat and direct me to go in that, that place. I couldn't have seen this path for myself at all. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that, that was one of the things that we connected on during our session was the channeling aspect of it. And I like, I, I don't know from our experience, if you realize how much that opened me up to, you know, cause it's, it's a very difficult topic of discussion. You can't really speak about these things to the people that you really love. Right. You know? So, and that's part of a lot of the angst early on, especially with family is being able to say, well, who can I really talk to about this stuff? You know, yeah. talk about your, your, cause I know you, you touched on the family situation and obviously that could be a touchy subject. Um, how, how would you characterize your relationship at this point with your family? How are they accepting? Are they accepting? Um, if you can get in, just give us a little background. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so at the beginning of my, I would say rude awakening when I was about 25, um, my parents had a very visceral reaction to my turn away from the church. Um, they didn't like excommunicate me or anything, but man, that was like such a blow. And to the point where I didn't speak to my mom for almost four months, I think, um, just cause it was, it was like, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine a religion that would have you turn away from your daughter like that, you know, based on these theologies or whatever, like we don't agree. So I can't talk to you. Um, and I needed time to heal from that. I needed time to be able to give her acceptance and compassion for where she's at on her journey. Um, because at the time it was just this like punk 25 year old who was like, I know everything. So it was very interesting to see how that transitioned. Um, since then it's been, you know, it's been difficult in the process of feeling like, you know, it's like a coming out of, you know, trying to recognize and realize like, okay, um, is this acceptable? Do I feel okay about this? You know, I kind of hid under the radar for a while. Um, but then getting to a place where I had to be open about it. I mean, like I have a fucking podcast that talks about all this stuff and they have access to listen to me talk about things that they vehemently don't agree with. Um, so, but they don't listen to it. So it's kind of interesting, but um, they've gotten to a place of accepting me for who I am, um, even though they don't agree, so they don't participate and what it is that I, is my pride and joy, which kind of sucks, but I recognize um, reading the law of one has really helped me with the acceptance of that, that they're another fractal of the universe in that way. Um, and for those of you guys listening who don't know what the law of one is, it's a channeled material from uh, Ra, who is the, one of the uh, Egyptian gods is what people most notably know that particular. You have to come back and we'll do a whole episode just. On that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so it just kind of, it gave me an opportunity to see them where they're at in their journey and have love for them there. Um, it didn't feel good to know that like uh, relationally it's like, this is, I, I still deeply long for my parents to approve of me and detaching that need uh, in order to do the work that I know I'm, I'm here to do. 
So that was a, another, I would say another growth point for myself and getting to a place where I felt like, okay, um, I understand that I'm on a, a particular mission and part of my growth and expansion process is not to wait for validity of others' opinions in order to do the work that I'm here for. I know that in past lives that I've had, I've been crucified or like, um, you know, just burned at the stake or um, everybody has a heavy identity with those archetypes. But in particular, one life in particular that I, um, in, in Egypt, I was the person that helped people cross over um, through the process of, of crossing to the, the other world when they died and helping the families grieve through the process and helping them prepare for it. You know, like I was this essentially death priestess. And so recognizing those parts of myself that I'm, I'm in still in the journey of the soul's expansion. Um, part of those lessons were also me stepping into my power and not being afraid of that rejection or persecution particularly. So in this life, that has been something that's, I feel like I'm just now on the other side of it, um, but particularly with my family or people that I love and, and still wanting to seek their acceptance in the process while I'm having all this awakening happen. I was like, I can't, there's, there's no more time left for me to wait. I need to, to, to do what I'm called to do. My soul came here to do this. And if I don't do it, I might miss my opportunity. I might have to come back to this raggedy planet again and do it again. <laughs> like, I don't want to do it again. So it's, it's been more of a calling to my mission and less of me having to try to fiddle with whether or not someone's going to accept me or not. Yeah, because that's huge. Yeah, so, you know, we, we had a session. How long ago was it? Probably like, probably like about six, seven months ago, definitely Maybe, predates yeah. COVID. Yeah. And, you know, it was, it was a very powerful session, you know, uh, and I didn't prepare for it the way that I, I, I should have. Mm. I, mean, I remember I told you like, like right afterwards, you know, well, I, I wound up getting sick and yeah. freaked out a bit. I mean, I've done psychedelics before, so you know, I've gotten, I've, I've done the whole purging before and I, you know, I understand. I just didn't make the association that what we were doing was a healing on top of a reading, you know? So yeah. I was like, okay, we're, we're going to learn a bunch of stuff today, but there's a, there's definitely a healing element to it. Now, when, when you're going in, okay. And just take me on a play by play spirit. Like you, cause when we had spoken, you had told me like, before I even got on the phone with you, you were already sort of in. Yeah. You know? Like where, like, where is your headspace? Where do you feel like like what sort of frequency do you feel like you have to tap into if you can elaborate on that process? Okay. So this is like, I, I had to, I've had to be very intentional lately about trying to figure out what that looks like because it does come very naturally to me and trying to break down what that looks like has been actually kind of difficult. Mm -hmm. um, so what that looks like for me and in particular is, is with channeling, there is something that does happen where, uh, I feel like I tune into a particular energy and then that energy takes over. So particularly through voice. So I would say my strongest Claire, like the Claire audient, Claire sentient, Claire, you know, voyant, all those, um, is Claire audient. Like, I feel like I hear really, really, really well in conjunction with Claire sentient. So there's just things that I know. I don't know why I know them. They just kind of come in. And everybody has that to some degree. It's just that we don't trust it. So you can walk into a, you know, a boutique and be like, I don't want to shop here. And you don't know why you just have that like immediate, like sensation of like, eh, something didn't feel right. Um, girls who are, you know, guys as well, you sit down on a date 
and be like, energy's not right. You know, it's, it's kind of like that. It's that initial energy that shows up. So when I'm doing sessions, um, I used to have to meditate a long time before I did a session. Um, I don't anymore. I can snap right in now because just like muscle memory, like practice energy memory, I guess it's not happening in the muscles, but, um, but it is, it is like tuning into a radio station of that person's energy. And what I've done now is I've set up an arrangement or an agreement with my own spirit guides or higher self and said, okay, this is the type of work I'd like to do. Make it easier, make it easier for me to contact that. Um, and I recognize that like, there was never, there was never like a skill level I needed to up rather. I needed to remove limitations that like, so that this, this gift was already here. It's just me removing those limitations of trust of, you know, imposter syndrome of, is this not the the right thing? And also being fearful of being wrong. And that's more of the ego. The ego steps in and says, okay, you have to be this lofty psychic and you have to have all the information, right? And I had so much paralyzing fear around getting something wrong that I would often what get things wrong. So since then, um, you know, I took a lot of the pressure off myself in having to actually what's happened, what's really worked is that I've started to do cards first in the reading because it helps me get over having to feel like I'm trying to read their energy from, you know, cold call essentially, um, which, you know, I can do, but I, I don't actually like to do it that way. It, it, it takes up more energy and more conscious energy than me letting spirit just talk through me. So I've started to use energy cards. I don't actually do tarot cards, which are different. Um, they're like an Oracle deck and they're colorful and fun or whatever. Um, my only gripe with the the deck is that there's no diversity in it, <laughs> but side note, I like the deck. Um, so I work with that deck. And then when I work with my clients now, I key into their energy. I can feel it right away. Like today's client, uh, she had, Uh, it was like an unworthiness, self-confidence issue. She really couldn't speak up for herself. And it just kind of, it comes to me maybe two or three minutes beforehand. I can feel it in my body first where my throat starts to get kind of clenchy or my back or my heart starts to feel weird or whatever. I just have to key into my body. And this is, that gives me usually like an indicator first. Okay. Where is the energy we need to work with the most? So that comes through even before they get on the call. Um, whether or not I'm paying attention to it is a different story. (laughs) Um, so then after that, I'll do the card reading, which is just a tool, you know, like cards are not predictive and I'm not going to tell you your future and it's not going to be like, you know, storm warning. And that means like something terrible is coming your way. It's just a way to reflect on the current energies that are already there. And so it gives me an easier, it's like whether or not you want to walk somewhere or you want to ride a bike. You're still going in the same direction either way, but one might take you a little bit longer. So instead I'm using a bike and giving, like getting able to get uh, faster results to key into what energy we need to talk about. And then from there, it's, it's like, I'm already locked in. So um, what I've been doing and what I think I did with you um, is like, a, you know, I have them breathe first to just get centered. And then I ask them to say their name three times. And that's because my, my gift is the clear audience. So when I listen to someone, I can hear the frequency of their voice and that that somehow registers in the body of what's going on with them. I got to where they are, right? It doesn't matter where. Okay. No. And I thought I had to be in person. And then I, I remember, I mean, in meditation and prayer, the only thing I've ever wanted is to have a job that I didn't have to be, I was not location dependent on. And so I was like, how can I do this over zoom? And my spirit guide says, you don't, you don't, it's better if you're not in person because your energies don't tangle with each other as much. 
Um, you know, I'm an empath, so I get like soak up stuff and it was causing me a lot of bodily pain, a lot of physical pain, um, just a lot of like extra anxiety that I was absorbing through, you know, energy transference of direction that can still happen over video, uh, through sound, but I'm just a little bit, I'm a little better at it now about being able to block it when we're not physically connected. Um, so being able to hear the voice. So like Joe, if you said today and you said your, your name or whatever, like that for somehow, somehow keys into my body and I feel it. Okay. He, he's, he's nervous, you know, <laughs> um, you can hear it in the voice. There are other elements that are not so psychic that are just the way that our bodies work instinctually. Um, so like, you know, we've had to make decisions very quickly on instinct, whether or not someone else was a predator or a, a friend. And so being able to, to key into some of those ancestral instinctual ways that our bodies work, it's about listening to the body. So I've just gotten better at listening to my body when something comes in and says, okay, I get this person's number, you know, like I understand what's going on with them. And maybe the interpretation of the slant is incorrect, but the, the native areas all like spot on almost every time. Like I've only been wrong really when either someone is super blocked and they just like, they're not hearing anything. Um, and that's what, where it weighs in which I'm not able to connect because they are having, they're not opening up. There's no surrender in their energy and they're super, super clenched. So it's really difficult for me to read people who are not open like that. No. Yeah. So let me ask you, do you, once you establish this connection with the person that you're working with, can you then go on to continue to work with this person in a different form of tech? Like let's say on the tech me text message or over email, uh, it could be, now, now yeah. is that because you had that established connection with that person? Right. Now it's just, it doesn't matter what yeah. modality that you use, you can just kind yeah. of go in on that person. It's better if I can, it's better if I can hear them. Um, cause the voice for whatever reason tips me off much, much better. Um, but if I don't have their voice, I'm able to like, so for instance, I do distance readings where I don't hear or see them at all. I get their name, their phone number, their email, and that's it. And so they book the session. I do a distance reading like I do with the cards. And then from there I channel. So whatever the spirit has to say to them, it'll come through in that way. Um, so I often don't even remember what I say in those sessions because it's just coming through me. I have zero connection and attachment to who they are. And since it's kind of a low level service, I don't have a lot of pressure either. So I just let it come through. And like, I, it's an innumerable amount of emails that I've gotten that people have been like, Oh my God, you know, this resonates so much. Mm -hmm. Um, so I can't explain that. Mm -hmm. No, it's just a matter of like, okay, I'm just going to trust what comes up. The, the cards help. Um, because if I had just started off like, okay, I would have probably gotten more into my ego. The cards help me get out of my ego and get to something practical that I can look at and say, what was the cards that said it? <laughs> it's not me. So it takes me out of the equation and allows the message to come through without me being the component. Yeah. Now, can we elaborate on your, uh, on your friends? my friends yeah and, and your, like my spirit guides uh, and your spirit guides yeah you know like like do you have a favorite or is there someone <laughs> that maybe pushes you a little bit harder than the others you know if yes. you bring yes. them into the into the mix so currently i'm working with about four mm -hmm. and there is one primary one which i probably think is my higher self but mm -hmm. she's she's just she's kind of sassy and she's always there so um, which sounds like me. So, um, I call her Karen and I've called her Karen before anybody else started the whole Karen thing, you know, whatever. She has a very long K name and I was like, well, Karen will do, you know? Um, anyway, so, uh, she talks to me probably the most. Uh, 
Um, my grandmother, uh, who's passed one of my ancestors, she's around and makes herself known every once in a while. Um, she tends to mess with electricity a lot. Mm -hmm. So I have flashing lights that follow me, um, particularly when I'm traveling. Like it's just kind of, she lets me know that everything's okay. I have about 17 videos on my phone where I can show you that like, it's, it is uncanny. Some of them are kind of like to my friends when they watch them, they're like, that's scary. And I'm like, it's my grandma. Like I'm super happy. She's here. Um, so that's been, that's been good. Um, she talks to me every once in a while. She comes more in dreams. Um, a couple of times she's come through when I'm in the theta state, brainwave state. Um, I believe that's data, like when you're kind of in between sleep yeah. and, um, and, and has spoken to me audibly quite, quite a few times. So um, my grandfather has just started working with me. Um, he passed when I was 16. So we've been, you know, distant for some time. I'm still getting, trying to get used to how he speaks. Um, he's, he's quieter, but he is, his, he makes his presence known. So it's more, I don't know. It's just a good masculine energy. That's kind of like, you got this, you know, he's like more of the encourager. Um, and just, I don't know. Okay. He's present right now. Uh, and I got this wave of emotion, like a, a not, that's not a sadness, but just emotion of like, like he's proud of me, you know? Um, and so he made himself present just now. I can feel it in my body. Like I can almost like see him there. Um, saying to you or is, what do you is, say? is he saying something to you or is it just, no, no, no. Like he's, he, he doesn't, talk as much like i'm still trying to get used to hearing his voice um but like just now so if i can explain how that just happened is that when i mentioned his name i felt like a, a pulsation kind of in my chest area and then i got this very strong vision of his face but in a younger form not as i remember him but even younger however he presents himself um and him just kind of like he, he's just smiling like he's got this really gentle energy um, and always has. And so it's just kind of like feeling that presence of, you know, you, you know, when you're with someone that you love their energy, you can feel it, you know, when your wife is in the room and you didn't hear, her, like, it's kind of like that. Um, so we've just started, like, I've, I've started to bring him in more. I've gotten his picture. I put it on my altar. I'm like, okay, I'm ready to work with you. Like if you can help me. Um, he has a lot of my native American side, uh, through his lineage that I get that from. And so like, there are practices that have come through that bloodline that I'm working with now. Um, and then I have, let's see, so that's Karen, my grandmother, my grandpa. And then there's another male, uh, energy that I believe is, uh, every time I go to a medium, they say it's Archangel Michael. And I don't have a lot of, um, I don't have a lot of resonance with the saints, uh, so it, it, you know, I'm like, okay, maybe it is, but maybe it's just another figure that I feel more closely drawn to, um, which to me feels more African or indigenous in some kind of way. Um, Archangel Michael presents very European and, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, the energy that I get is, is not that race matters in the spirit realm at all, but it does feel like it comes through a deeper lineage, um, perhaps something that's even alien, um, that I feel very present with. So they show up, it's, it's weird cause it's one person, but it shows up as two. So I get, uh, lots of dreams where they come in and they're super tall and they're kind of bluish in color. Um, I've physically seen them, uh, maybe once, uh, or twice. And then, which sounds so crazy, but, um, <laughs> um, they come in a lot of dream work that I do in astral projection. They're always there when I'm in astral projection. So in the few, I don't know, six or seven times that have done really grade A type of astral projections, they're always there. 
They're like a projection. And, and, you're, and you're obviously going to explain what astral projection is, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going down so many potential rabbit holes over here. <laughs> episode one. <laughs> so astral projection is like, um, it's like lucid dreaming, but it's not quite. Um, it's almost like a conscious state of leaving the body out of body experience. So, um, where you're, when you're in lucid dreaming, you're already kind of in a storyline or a narrative of some sort and you kind of pop out and recognize, wait a minute, I'm dreaming. Um, that is a type of astral projection. Um, but what I'm talking about is when you consciously go under and pop out of your body. Mm-hmm. And so there's a process in that where you, um, you, you lay down and you go in with the intention that like, okay, I'm going to do some dream work. You might already do that when you're sleeping, but you don't remember. Um, but I want, I'm trying to establish a connection to be able to do it so I can remember what it is. And so, um, I was able to do the most of them when I was in Bali. And what happens is I made the conscious intention that I'm going to lay out and, and leave my body. And if you do get into the state of state where you start to get like kind of dreamy and sleepy or whatever, but you keep yourself a little bit awake. Um, Aaron Abke has a really good method where he says it's called um, waking back to sleep. So you'll wake up in the morning at an earlier time, like five or something. And then when you go back to sleep, um, you make that conscious intention and then you go from there because you're still kind of in that wavy form. Um, and then you can remember it all. So I've, I've done where I've popped out of my body. There was one time in particular, I was able to do it six times in a row. So in one day, so I laid down and then I popped out and then I was hovering and then I woke up again. Like I was like, okay, let's try again. Went back in, uh, raised up all the way up. Then I went around the room and then I tried to open my eyes and then boom, it happened. It's weird. It's such a weird sensation. It's like you're, you can feel that your eyes are closed, but you can see. Like you can see everything. So when I actually tried to open my eyes, I would open my eyes in my body and then come back. But when I'm hovering above my body, there was one where I was dragged out of my body. So there was someone present an energy present that was like, okay, whoop, and pulled me out spirit guide. Maybe they're like, come on, Leah, let's go. <laughs> and I fell on the floor in my energetic body and I could see my feet sitting on the other side of the bed. I was like, ah, and that freaked me out and I went back into the body. So um, anyway, so that's what astral projection is. And the, I guess the point of it is to be able to interact with your guides on a more, on a more lucid level where you'll, where you will remember uh, lucid dreams. You do, most people do remember because that's the only way they knew that they were lucid. Um, it's just a different type of projection. Yeah. Wow. That's so cool. So interesting. Do you feel anything physical with the whole detachment, like the, the leaving of the body? You don't, Is yes. There, yeah. Like you do feel, um, I would say actually you hear more. So it's like a wind tunnel sound. Mm-hmm. And then there's this really loud high pitched noise. It may be different for other people, but I've, I've seen that. Uh, the first time I did it, it was so high pitched. It scared me so bad. I was like, get back in the body. <laughs> and when I got back in the body, I, I guess I didn't do it right or whatever. And I was stuck in kind of this like sleep paralysis stage. And then I started to have, I believe I had my Kundalini awakening because I started to seize. Mm. And so I started having what felt like a seizure and for what felt like 15 minutes. And I got really scared and I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to die. Like this is going to happen. And then after I finally got out of it, um, I went immediately online and started looking up like astral projection, seizure, you know, whatever. And then there was like loads of information about Kundalini awakening and like, Oh, you just, you know, cause I just slipped into it. It was not super conscious. It was like, oh, I'm going to take a nap. And then I got this inclination from one of my spirit guides, like, okay, let's travel. Let's try to travel. Let's try to astral travel. I'm like, I've heard of it before, whatever. Cool. And then boom, I was able to do it right away. Yeah. So since then it's been a little bit more difficult just because I get in my head and I'm like, okay, God, we're going to have to do it. You know, like um, it's too much 
too much consciousness around it. I don't just trust and let it happen. But every time I try it, I still get a little bit scared because I'm like, I don't know who I'm going to see when I get there. Yeah. Yeah. No, for me personally, with my projection, uh, it, it was the shaking as well. And I, I think you had texted me like around the time when it first started happening when you were pushing it. And for me, it was always the shaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you said seizing and, and, the, and that's exactly what it is. It, and, and it's a feeling of being pulled up yeah. towards the ceiling. And it's the craziest thing ever. Mm-hmm. You know? And for me though, I, I, I'm very much about feeling. So mm-hmm. for me, I, I don't, I'm not as much of a visual person. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I feel everything. Like I feel myself floating around the room. I feel myself going to different, different dimensions and yeah. coming back. And, and I know I'm in the presence of, of my guides. You can, you, you know, at this point you can feel who they are, you, yeah. depending on which side of your body, um, which is generally the areas where they tend to hang. Um, but yeah, that, that's, that's fantastic. You know, lucid dreaming, you touched on lucid dreaming as well. You know, that's something that, uh, explain the difference between the lucid dreaming and that sleep paralysis that a lot of people are scared to death of. I know I, I battled with it for a while myself, that whole sort of locking in where you can't really move. Like if you can break down like the difference between that and the lucid dreaming. Well, lucid dreaming, you're still in the dream state. Mm -hmm. So you've allowed yourself to come into a a state of consciousness while you're still dreaming, um, where you can then manipulate the dream itself. And so that's kind of the fun and the magic of the dream state of being able to kind of play with that. Um, So it it essentially complements and opposition uh, when you're sleep paralysis. It's the opposite thing. It's where you are awake, but you can't move. And so you can't manipulate your real life and your real world on the other side. So it's kind of like a yin yang. (laughs) They complement each other very well. Um, But the opposite. So when you're in sleep paralysis, I'm not sure, like the the scientific uh, explanation is that you're, I don't know if it's serotonin level or melatonin levels, something um, that didn't catch up to your body by the time you woke up. So your brain woke up, but your body didn't. Um, I think that there is an element of truth there for sure. Um, but the another piece of it to me is like you left your body and you're just not your consciousness and your body is awake, but you're, you haven't returned like fully back to the body. So we are all um, tethered to our, our actual human body via what looks like an umbilical cord almost um, with, within the spirit. And so the essentially like when we die essentially that's the disconnection of those two cords so i was traveling astral traveling a lot and in a a, not a past life regression i did like a parallel life regression um i always wake up in the middle of the night always three o'clock in the morning um and the explanation was it's like okay you you've been doing this waking back to sleep method for forever because you wake up in the middle of the night when that energy is the most palpable and then you go back to sleep to in order to travel but the problem is, is that for me, is that I keep trying to leave. <laughs> and um, my grandmother came into one of my astral projections. So she was like, listen, you can't go this far or you're going to end up leaving, actually leaving your body. Uh-huh. Um, and so that kind of made me a little bit scared because <laughs> uh-huh. I'm like, I'm not trying to kill myself. I'm in the middle of this like process. I don't know what's actually happening, or at least I have no recollection, recollection of it. So um, not to scare people from astral projecting. It's just that like she was saying, I'm doing it too much. Like some, some nights you need to sleep, like sometimes you need to be in your body. Um, so kind of looking at the, the difference between that and when you're in that sleep paralysis state, it's the opposite of where you've returned back, but 
your, your, your body hasn't quite woken up. There's been some sleep paralysis that I've had that don't even feel like it was as a result of my astral travel, but there was some other force on me. Um, there, there, before I could interpret it when I was still back in my religious days, um, there were two beings that were standing over me the, that I interpreted as aliens, um, very similar to the guide that I have now that I look at. Um, and I was in bed and I remember waking up and seeing them standing over my bed and watching me. (laughs) And I don't know, it it seemed like I was already having a conversation with them, but then my body woke up and freaked the hell out. So I, my friend happened to be sleeping over that night, which I was really glad that she did. And I, I, I couldn't scream. I couldn't move. I was just like in sheer panic mode until I finally was able to jump up at which then they disappeared. And then I turned the light on and I was, I was so freaked out because that's the first time it had ever happened to me. And I was probably, I think it was 24, 23 when that happened. Since then I've been able to recognize them and they, they don't do that anymore because they know it scares me. <laughs> so they come more to me in my dreams. Wow. Amazing. Can you take us through Aaliyah's ritual routine, your ritual, uh, you know, throughout the course of the day, like as far as maybe your meditation practices go, some of the self-care stuff that you do, uh, anything yeah. special, anything unique that you do for yourself? Because I know you do so much for everybody else. <laughs> what is it that you do for yourself? So currently, like I get up in the mornings um, with the sun. Like I, it doesn't matter what time I go to bed. I can't, I only wake up uh, when the sun rises for some reason without alarm clock. Um, and then I've moved into this place where I have this really nice balcony um, where I can see over the city and it's just really, really serene. And I got myself a bunch of plants <laughs> and just, I like to sit out there. Sometimes I don't even do necessarily a conscious meditation, but I'll go out and sit there just to observe beauty. That for me seems to be very important. I'm a very visual person. Um, so I'll sit out there and do, do that. Um, I do have like my normal meditations. Um, I, it's funny. I, my meditations are short. They're like 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. Um, and then a few times a week, I'll do like a deeper, longer meditation that can be 45 minutes to two hours. Mm -hmm. And so just depending on what my schedule looks like, um, I know for myself, I, even I'm getting on myself, like I need to be meditating more or whatever. Um, I used to have an incredible journaling practice, um, but have since stepped away from that because I was getting really dependent on still looking for guidance from my guides um, through through writing instead of through listening because it took it took more time for me to get the message than if I was able to just like intuit that and let it come through. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I'm doing right now. The 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 self care element hasn't felt like it's been such a huge thing to do lately because I feel energized by the work that I'm doing. Mm. So. I don't feel really drained. I don't feel, I mean, I feel like I'm in my alignment finally of what it is that I'm doing. So it doesn't tax me very much. And, and this time period, I'm not traveling like, which I miss traveling a lot, but normally I was traveling to this place and this place and this place to go shoot a wedding or do something that was actually very taxing to me. I needed to have a lot of that off time. But now that I'm in the energy frequency that I've love to be in. It's actually been really easy. Now, uh, not to say that things in my life are actually like absolutely hunky-dory. I'm, I'm dating this amazing person, absolute soulmate who is just fucking like, I know him from other lives. Like we just immediately like clicked and we're like, shoot. And since then, what'd you say? Nice. Dope. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's been a lot of synchronicities around that, but in through that process, there's even been external energies, um, like, exes and other stuff that have come in and it's just like, wow, this is, 
this is a new leveling up of me having to learn how to maintain my energy again. And so um, I've, I feel like I've achieved like, okay, level one done. And so now like in this new leveling up of being like, oh, wow, okay, I still need practice with this thing and that thing. So um, particularly to answer your question is, has been being gentle with myself, not, not really trying to drive myself in and you have to get over this and you have to do this thing. It has been the largest part of self-care has been surrender for me. Nice. Learn how to surrender. Wonderful. Now, what sort of advice would you have for someone who is having difficulty meditation with meditation, who is having difficulty finding some time for themselves, maybe putting in the energy into themselves that you know, they're giving to other people? What sort of advice would you have for someone like that? So the, my challenge with meditation is that I actually don't think everybody needs to do meditation. Um, it is a beautiful practice and it's a wonderful practice that I do think anyone can benefit from. Um, but for some people that's going swimming and for some people that means working out in the morning, that's their thing, you know, um, anything that can get you into a type of flow state and help you, you know, recharge is a form of meditation. Um, but definitely setting the time aside, the clients that I work with that have the most difficulty with being able to do that are people who don't care for themselves or don't value themselves. So they don't make time for themselves. Mm -hmm. So they make time for other people and other obligations and what they have to do, but they don't make time for the things that they get to do. And so, um, I got a friend who's really great at this because she has a thousand billion things to do and she's got two kids and she teaches a grad class in addition to her, her, her own students and now her own kids because of COVID. And somehow she still manages to get, she gets up at four 30 so she can make sure she can sit down and read her book or, or drink her coffee, do her yoga, whatever it is. And I'm like, damn, that's dedication, but that's because she values herself. And when we don't value ourselves, we don't make time for ourselves. So like if people are having trouble, meditation is an incredible practice. And I think it's highly beneficial for anybody to be able to just get, go inward, particularly now. <laughs> um, but if they're struggling with that, I would, I would beg to say, go inward <laughs> and look at areas and why you don't feel like you deserve to have time to, mm -hmm. to reset. What are you avoiding? What are you trying to like shuffle under the rug? Like, cause it will beg for your attention when you finally get quiet. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it took forever for me to be able to sit with the more traditional thought process of meditation, you know, and, and I've gone out of my way to try to teach other people how to do it, you know, but leaning more towards the more traditional and, and the, the more that I try to force that down people's throats, the more resistance I receive because I find that people are the most scared or most fearful when things are most calm. You yeah. Know? It's, almost, it's almost like people are intimidated by silence. You know, yep. people are intimidated by what pops up during that moment in time, you know, and, and we've been taken out of it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it's, we're so used to being on our phones, you know, having all types of media out in front of us, you know, interacting with so many different people, being quiet is, is, a, is a difficult thing for a lot of people. So you know, being able to, like you had mentioned, like getting movement in the mix, you know, and I find that people are a lot more responsive when we start to incorporate movement into the whole, you know, meditative process, whether we're attempting to release, 
traumas, you know, that have been stuck inside of us forever, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you grow up in a tight knit family, mm-hmm. you know, we, you, we have these stigmas around being yourself, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, I selected going inward and, and this was, took me forever to figure out a name. And it, it's one of those things where you, you're thinking a lot more than you should. And it's usually right in front of your face. Yep. So I want to have like a little segment uh, that I call going in. Right. So, and what, what the premise behind that is, you know, introspection, right. Being able to dive deep into more of a, more or less a place where, you know, we're devoid of like these stereotypes and these stigmas and there is no right and wrong. There is no positive. There is no negative. There's just the most authentic version of ourselves. And uh, we can achieve this through meditation. We could achieve this through various methods. So for for you, what I wanted to see real quick, because we we got a little bit of time left. um, What if you going down into that position, into that space, is there any sort of thing that you would want to say to the audience that uh, maybe a venting, maybe something along the lines of what you just mentioned? Like if, I, if your parents were listening, like what would you say? You know, and nothing is right. Nothing is wrong. Yeah. But coming from the heart, coming from the soul. Um, yeah. Freestyle. <laughs> Freestyle. Okay, let's channel this bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, good. I don't know if we can cuss on your show. <laughs> it's okay. We cursing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So first things first, I think that it's important for the collective to hear um that primarily, like it's it's the it's the primary reason you're here is to expand your soul. So whatever that looks like, if it looks like surrender, which for most people it does, if it looks like, you know, you kind of finally looking into what it is that you're gifted in, the things that you're afraid of, the the gifts that you have that you're self-conscious about, whatever that looks like, um, now is the time. Now is the time. Uh, you know, where we were at in this you know, previous decade or before was kind of like gearing us up energetically for this, you know, to the precipice of us finally speaking our truth and getting to this essentially critical mass of this giant raising the vibration. Um, but it is also a releasing and surrendering old beliefs and systems and paradigms that don't serve us anymore and things that don't do not, or we don't want to take into our, our essentially our new life. And I think that people who are, who feel that calling or feel that burning of like, I've got something to say, I've got something I want to do. And, and anything that strikes a little bit of fear inside of you is a good sign um, because it will help you expand in some kind of way. And I think as far as like my parents go or whatever, like um, it, you know, it's, I've just asked deeply for acceptance, but I recognize that I don't require it anymore. Mm. So regardless of if you accept me or not, this is what I'm, I've chosen to do. And this is what I believe I'm meant to do. So you can get on board or you can get out. So um, just having this, the sense of confidence and knowing that I, I know in my heart of hearts, this is what I'm meant to do. I know in my heart of hearts that the information that's coming to me, regardless of, of the, the fractal it comes through, right? Because we all have different interpretations of the same message. So whether that you, you find that message through Christianity, Buddhism, Hindi, you know, like anything, we all come to the same conclusion that we are all one. And your, the way that you experience the world is very different the way that I experience the world. So like, I can't look for your validity about where I'm going because you're not going there. So like you, you can't tell me where to go. 
And so that idea of like, we, we kind of put not just ourselves, but society or other people in a box about what it is that we think they can do based on our own projections and limitations. And so like what I would offer or ask is to stop doing that. Like allow yourself to first breathe, but second, if you find that you're being hyper judgmental towards other people and in the way that they're trying to do their dreams, it's likely because you feel some type of limitation against yourself and being able to achieve that. So it's just a reflection of that. And also the other way around when people are limiting to you, cause I have people tell me, yeah, you know, everybody's got a podcast and, Oh, you know, don't worry. Like you're not going to get that many plays or whatever. I got on a Facebook group that um, is supposed to be helpful in helping you build and get tips and stuff. And I did a ton of research, um, after I started, started my podcast, I'm glad I didn't do it before. Cause I might've stepped into that imposter syndrome and it would have like, you know, made me feel clenched. Um, I just went with the channel and said, okay, I'm just going to do it. But I got on there and I saw these people that were like, just super negative and like, oh yeah, but it's this and da, 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 da. And I remember my first week, uh, or maybe first month of, of doing my podcast. I don't know, maybe I had like 13,000 downloads or something like that. And I couldn't, I couldn't, judge whether or not that was a lot or a little. I wasn't sure. Um, but then there was someone down below that was like, oh, you know, she must have a big social media following, which I didn't. And, or she must, da, 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 you know, like, oh, you know, they were trying to find all these reasons and why that this wouldn't have done well, but I was in complete alignment. I was in alignment for myself. And so I was like, I couldn't let them, their opinions and their validity of like, whatever, cause they've been in the game for a long time, be the, the dictator of, the way that I thought I should run what I felt aligned to do. And so like, it's just, it's just a bunch of noise. So surrendering that, like get it out. <laughs> you don't need the validity. And I, I'm talking to you too. It seems like, like I just felt this connection in resonance with you. Um, mm-hmm. But that idea that like allowing yourself to, to really feel what it is you feel like you're meant to do and not from an ego perspective, not from the attachment of like, cause if I had started this podcast thinking like, I want to be famous and I'm going to be this and I want to make this amount of money, which I do have some goals like that. But the intention was that like, I felt like I just needed to release. Like I had, I had all this stuff building up inside of me that I was in the closet about for so long. I needed a place to put it and I needed to be able to build a community for people who understood it or who, who resonated with it. And if it was five people, fine, but I needed an outlet to do something that felt good to me. And that is where I feel like a lot of the, the resonance came around it because I had to get my parents out of my head. I had to get my ex-husband out of my head. I had to get all the friends that were like, Oh, okay. That, you know, and I had to get the, the, uh, the feeling of not having my friends and my family co-sign my dreams. And like stepping out of that and saying, you know what, like, you're not going where I'm going. You can't tell me where to go. Yeah. That is so powerful right there. I'm glad you said that. It's a lot of the stuff that I've said, but you know, to the people that are listening, sometimes you need someone different to come in (laughs) to say the same thing in order for it to sink in. But you know, I'm very grateful and thankful for having you on the show. Um, You know, going to have to have you come back on, talk about (laughs) some of the other things, but I think this is a great time to call it. Um, you know, why don't you let the listeners know where they can find you? Uh, maybe a little bit of information about the podcast. And yeah, uh, yeah. so you can find me uh, on all major platforms. Uh, Spiritual shit is the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, it's make sure it's the one that says the down and dirty of modern spirituality because there is someone that has spiritual and shit. Um, and then there's one that's spiritual shit you should know. So anyway, um, and then you can find me on all my platforms at the lovely Aaliyah, A-L-E-A. So Facebook slash the lovely Leah, Patreon slash lovely Leah, um, and Instagram as well. So 
Instagram's my favorite place to hang out. Cool, cool, cool. Thank you very much. And hopefully we'll see you soon. Yes. Bye. Thanks, Neil. <laughs>